We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined by my co-host Nick Filato. And as we speak, John Carlos Stanton just hit a three-run bomb with the Yankees down 5-1. The only run being his solo bomb. So for all you Yankee fans who follow the podcast, God bless. For those of us Mets fans like myself, it's not for great times, but guess what? Steve Cohen bought the team, so things are looking up, especially because Sandy's back, not in a GM role, but, you know, he's with the franchise, so I got good hopes for the Mets coming forward. But for you Yankee fans, and I used to be a Yankee hater as a kid, I grew up as that annoying little kid who considered myself an ABY fan, anyone but the Yankees, but that was time. Times were different. That was when they were the only team spending, like, 100% more than everyone else, so now a bunch of teams do it, so I don't hate the Yankees anymore. But anyway, I know Nick is a Yankee fan, so let's throw it over to him. He's got his Yankees hat on right now he looks super confident and happy to be here that's all a lie I do not have my Yankees hat on whatsoever but I am a Yankees fan and it's good that they are actually a New York team that can do something on the field of play of which they play because the uh other sports specifically football it's not getting done Dan it's just not getting done yeah 0-8 combined between the Giants and Jets but I will say this I rewatched this game on all 22 
And it's crazy to say because I feel like this is becoming a common theme, but I'm so much more optimistic about where the Giants are at after watching this game in depth on the All-22 than I was on the first takeaway. I mean, more than any game this season, I think the Giants should have won this game. The Giants should be 1-3 right now. They blew it in this game. They had missed opportunities galore. They'd won time of possession. They won yardage. They forced more punts on the Rams easily. The defense outplayed the Rams offense versus the Rams defense outplaying the Giants defense, or I'm sorry, Giants offense, but the Giants settled for way too many field goals in this game. And then finally, even after all that, they had a chance going down the field and Jones should have ran it and he threw a pick. But even besides that, twice uh, twice Joe Judge punted in those kind of midfield situations on fourth down, once a fourth and seven, the other fourth and three, we talked about the podcast. So really, those are also, in my opinion, missed opportunities. I know some will disagree. I consider those missed opportunities by the coach, but mainly the field goals, the settling for field goals over and over and over again, some due to really unfortunate untimely penalties by the Giants down there a false start here an illegal formation there and just at other times Jones not really processing the ball to Slayton I think should have been a touchdown we'll go over that when I watched that on all 22 Slayton really had a really ran a really good route created separation stacked the D back and had gave Jones a ton of space over the top but Jones took a while to get to him and by the time he threw it the ball was out of the end zone that's a, if that's a touchdown the game's really different um in my opinion so Again, I'm definitely more optimistic than I was, so let's start with the good here. Let's start with some of the good from Daniel Jones, some of the really good throws we saw in this game from him. Start with one you really liked and talk about why you considered it a good throw, Nick. We'll start early in the game with a second and seven with about 227 left in the first quarter, and Daniel Jones actually does a really good job throwing with anticipation on a deep I guess you could say it was a dig. It was somewhat rounded. It wasn't a hard cut by Damian Ratley. But Jones goes into the mesh point with Devonta Freeman, and he's waiting for Damian Ratley to come in front of the safety, but yet just behind the linebacker. And there's this big throwing window because the deep middle of the field safety goes to the field side to take care of the two wide receivers on that side. Ratley crosses the face of the linebacker, and by that time, Daniel Jones already releases the football, throws with anticipation. Ratley just plucks it right beyond the linebacker and right in front of the safety. It was actually a really good throw by Jones, and if you watch it from the end zone angle, you can also see how he threw with anticipation and led Ratley right to an open spot of the field for a good chunk of yardage. Yeah, you'd be surprised if you watch the tape and you watch the L22. Jones had several of these really good anticipation balls. I'll take it to the fourth quarter, one of the best balls I've seen from Jones all year, all career. And that's the one that gave them a chance to, you know, be in a position to win the game. It's first and 20. He has a deep in two-man route deep in with Darius Slayton and he just throws a laser here I mean this ball hits Slayton right on the money if there's a different route on the on the left far hash of the field there's a chance that Slayton takes this one after the catch for a touchdown he instead creates another seven yards by himself just after the catch but really what I liked the most from Jones here was his patience in the pocket and then just the ability to throw with that much zip and that much with that kind of ball placement while maintaining that much zip that ball just hits Slayton in stride he has some separation but really not that much Um, and this is the type of throw that you see from Jones that really gives you excitement I think um, moving forward because this is an NFL throw it's a really difficult throw and a lot of quarterbacks aren't making it. That's the one where he starts to throw right before Slayton gets into his cut, and Slayton actually does a pretty good job using a subtle little push-off of the defensive back to give himself a bit more depth on the route. 
Jones puts the ball right into Slayton's upfield shoulder, and Slayton's able to run into space and get to the opposite sideline where Jalen Ramsey knocks him out of bounds. That was a really nice throw, too. Those were probably his two best throws, I would say, in the game. And it's also in areas where we've seen Daniel Jones have success in the season. Deep digs in the middle of the field, right behind the linebackers and right in front of the safeties. He's done a good job executing those types of throws. We just haven't really seen it enough with this offense. Yeah, and that's the big question. Why haven't we seen it enough? There was a time, I I remember in the game, where they did run a two-man route, and I was really excited. There was downfield... um, you know, route, but it, it just never developed. And by the time Jones finally saw a potential option on the left side, uh, you know, Thomas had given up a pressure and, and Jones was sacked for two yards. But those throws made me excited in general because I feel like when he's throwing with anticipation and he's putting that on tape and he's throwing with good ball placement and just added velocity that I saw from last year, it's all stuff that you need in your quarterback. But then there were a couple other throws, one that I know you're going to want to talk about, where he threw to the far hash. And that, to me, is super important because it's the hardest, most difficult throw, I think, a quarterback has to make. Besides, you know, anticipating the coverages the right way like the Bradys and Breezes do and making and finding solutions based on, you know, just the ability to process fast. When nothing's there, and sometimes you have to, the only thing you have is that far hash throw, Jones has been able to make those throws. He made a few really good throws to the far hashes. I know you wanted to break down one, so go into that one. Give it down in distance as well. Well, there's the second and 11 with about 10.50 left in the third quarter. Now, it's a near hash throw, but it's towards the sideline. And I want to say that the cornerbacks for the Rams on this play, they were sitting. They were expecting this, which isn't exactly a good thing for the New York Giants. But if you watch this on the All-22, you see the field side cornerback celebrating because he sees Daniel Jones throwing to the boundary side cornerback, knowing that the cornerbacks are sitting. But Daniel Jones actually, now you can criticize him possibly for the decision because the coverage was so tight and the Rams defensive backs seem to know that the Giants were running these quick curls at the sidelines. But Daniel Jones puts this ball high and outside and was the only place Damian Ratley could catch this ball without it being either intercepted or knocked down. And to Jones's credit, he puts a high and outside. Ratley actually makes a really good play, jumps in front of the cornerback, plucks it, shows strong hands, plucks it out of the air, brings it into his body before getting knocked out of bounds by Williams. And on that play, man, you could see that far cornerback celebrating because he thought it was going to be an interception because the Rams cornerbacks had it called that they were going to sit on those kind of curls on that second and 11 route. Yeah, and I think what's interesting there is he completes the pass for eight yards, gives the Giants a chance to extend the drive. Eventually, you know, now with a face with a third and three, they do extend the drive. That ultimately leads to the fourth and six at the Rams 43 where they decided to punt the ball, something I know I'm just not, you know, I'm just not down for, but it is what it is. You're at your opponent's 43. You have a chance to keep the momentum, whatever. But the drive did extend until they decided to, to punt there. But the point is, when there's no solution there for Jones, and that may be because he didn't read it fast enough sometimes, but in at, in times like this one, there's just not much there. And when there's no solution with Jones, he can sometimes find a solution by having the ability via ball placement, via, I guess, just arm talent to get that ball to, that was, like you said, the near hash, but either outside, outside either hash. And that's something he's displayed multiple times in this game throughout his career. It's a big thing because some of these quarterbacks really can only use the middle of the field from what I've seen to move the chains. That's not the exa- That's not the case for Jones. So that's more of the good for me with Jones. But before we continue, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, 
Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE, all one word. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Don't forget, that's BLUEWIRE, all one word, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You have to be able to push the ball outside. Yep. I mean, that's one of that's a big criticism with even some of the top quarterbacks in the league right now. It's guys like Lamar Jackson. There's criticism with can he push the ball outside from the far hash because a lot of those balls are getting undercut and getting intercepted. Now, I don't think it's an arm strength. It's just more of a ball placement, and I think he just needs to do it more. Obviously, Lamar hasn't really had to come from behind too much in the NFL because of what is around him, but that's a legitimate gripe with even the top 32 quarterbacks in the world. And Daniel has Daniel Jones has shown the ability to at least do that at, to some level in the NFL. But even later on that drive, third quarter, 8-13 left, this is a little bit of a criticism for Daniel Jones. And I get it, he was trying to take a shot on this specific play, but the Giants line up with three wide receivers inside of the numbers to the field with one to the boundary with a running back also to the boundary side. And on this play, the Giants run a mesh concept. Now this is a third and six. Jones actually tries to go deep here, attack deep, something that we want him to do, but he doesn't realize that the mesh concept just does not get picked up, and Evan Ingram is running wide open to the field side with nobody on him, and Jones just doesn't pick up the fact that nobody trailed him because the Rams were in man coverage the majority of the game, as you know, Dan. The Rams ran a lot of zone coverage. They were a heavy zone against the Giants, but on this third and sixth, they were man Nobody went with Evan Ingram. There was a miscommunication, but Jones just didn't pick it up, and he fired and actually overshot Darius Slayton deep into double coverage because the safety came over top and kind of read Jones' eyes because Jones somewhat telegraphed it. But if Jones was just a little bit more patient and waited just a little bit, he would have had Evan Ingram with about 15 yards of space, one blocker in front of him with one ram. That could have been a touchdown there. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, if we're going to dive into the negatives of Jones, it's interesting because on most of these situations, these third and shorts, and I'll call it third and short for this for this scenario, let's say six or fewer, 
I think he does an excellent job and he had a couple great plays in this game where he hit Ingram on a couple of these third and shorts to keep the chains moving and over the course of his career and even this season he's done well in third and shorts because like you said there's a lot of man coverage and he does well this is just one of those rare times he thought he saw something with Slayton Slayton was, Slayton was running that deep over and honestly if Jones throws a great ball here I think it's a big completion if he throws that ball a little under I agree he the safety's coming over the top but there's a lot of space between the 30 and 20 yard line on the far hash and if he you know Mahomes type quarterback is going to drop that ball right in I think for a huge gain so I like I don't hate the idea here normally but like you said if he's processing a little better a little more smoothly then he knows that the trail defender is not going with Ingram with that mesh concept of the middle and like you said it's a huge gain it's not only a first down but with Evan Ingram's post catch ability and you've seen this happen again in a specific plays against the Bucks last season and against the Redskins he can take this potentially to the house he has that kind of second and third gear after the catch so it's almost like you're getting just as big a play and the guarantee of the chain moving first down instead they punt here it's one of those exact missed opportunities this is the one of two punts they did in Rams territory one was the fourth and three this was the fourth and six again I don't know about that but again just the missed opportunity here. So before we dive into some more things with Jones on the negative side, I do want to talk about some more of the positive because in addition to what you said, the ability to make these anticipation throws and continue to throw with good ball placement overall, for the most part, he has some misses here, but not more than most quarterbacks developing, I believe. Um, And like you said, ability to throw outside the hashes. I think an underrated aspect to Jones's game that's really showing out is ability to turn devastatingly bad blocks by his linemen and there were multiple of them from Andrew (laughs) Thomas we will get to Thomas Nick wants me to be nice to Thomas on this podcast I'm gonna try my best but I am uh, I I, will talk about Thomas but there were and it's not just Thomas there was it's mostly Thomas from what I saw but there were at least two maybe three plays in this game where Jones was dead to rights because of the pressure and he just finds a way to roll out of the sack break a sack and run he did like three two or three scrambles for 13 8 and I think 12 was the other and it turns devastating like one of them was literally a second and 10 that if he takes the sack the drive is over the game is over this one was after the two minute warning in the fourth quarter if he takes that sack after Thomas gives up the pressure and Gates doesn't pick up Gates is kind of has a mental lapse here and doesn't pick up the 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 stunt then listen he's done the game's over the Giants have literally no chance to even win at the end when he threw that interception but he finds a way it's kind of reminiscent of that play he made versus the Redskins in his first start last season or I'm sorry his second start last season he kind of rolls out of the sack and then makes people miss there were there was another time earlier in this game where he kept the ball on his on a read option play and it he should have been dead to rights for like a two or three yard loss and he juke the hell out of I think it was 50 for the Rams this was a freaking awesome play I'm trying to find it right now in my notes so we can look at it on the all 22 as we go but he just juked uh, number 50 on the Rams. It was, it was it was in the third quarter, first and 10. I mean, this was something that was going to potentially kill the drive. It was going to put the Giants in a second and long. It said he juked the defender. Literally, it looked like a running back making an inside juke cut and picked up five yards on the play. And this is part of the positive with Jones, his ability to run, his athleticism. There was a time where it looked like he should have ran up the middle, but he ran to the outside and had enough speed to actually get the first down in 11-yard gain. So I just think that when we talk about Jones, as he develops as a prospect, if he's a long-term answer for the Giants, his ability to create plays that are dead with his legs makes a massive difference here. Not even just create, to extend plays, which we've yeah. also talked about throughout this season, how he kind of flows uh, 
away from pressure and is very patient, keeps his eyes downfield, knows he's going to take a huge hit and then releases the ball. I think that's a very important part of Daniel Jones' game. And these zone reads that Jason Garrett has implemented are working. And a lot of the times it's really forcing that backside defender to stay and respect Daniel Jones because these defenses keep getting burned by Daniel Jones for 5, 10, 13 mm-hmm. yards here and there on these zone read runs. They can't crash hard. They can't crash on Devonta Freeman or Wayne Gallman when the ball is given to them. They have to respect Daniel Jones. And that's one thing the Giants offense can have going for them that they haven't had that they didn't have during the Eli Manning era and that they didn't necessarily use a lot with Pat Shermer last year. But I think they have to use Daniel Jones and his athletic ability and have these design runs and allow him to use his feet to pick up yardage. I know you're putting him in harm's way when you do that, but at this point you need to find ways to sustain drives and the Giants just have not done that consistently enough. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of quarterbacks who are put in harm's way by the way their coaches use them. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, that's what Jones has to be. He's a very athletic quarterback. He may have only ran that 4-6-7 or whatever it was at Duke Pro Day, but he has game speed. I watched him beat a uh, I think it was 24, I think it was Troy Hill to the edge on an 11-yard scramble when another lineman gave up a massive pressure at one point. He actually has the ability due to, like you said, an unbelievable three-cone drill, one of the best for all quarterbacks, I think it was, at that combine, just really agile, really athletic. So that's the good. I want to talk a little bit about the bad, and for me, the bad really comes down to this, Nick. It's all the same for me. It's always the same thing. It's not the ball placement. It's not the footwork, which I think has really improved in the pocket. It's not the mechanics from the arm standpoint, and you know, it's not the arm strength, really. It's not. It's really not, but for me, Jones is still just processing things too slowly for the, for the start, Just and, 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 and what I mean by that is he needs to really know based on what he sees right off the, right from the snap that this is going to be open. X or Y or Z or whatever it is, however many routes there are, this is going to be open based on what I saw. And a lot of times he's staring down options that he thinks are going to be open. And in the process, he's missing reads. There were four or five times in my notes where he simply locked onto a receiver or just didn't look at one side of the field where there might have been an open receiver. Where it was most glaring to me was when the Giants were operating what could have been their final drive of the game down eight with four minutes left in the fourth quarter I mean it wasn't because the defense played such lights out football and gave the offense so many opportunities um, most of which the offense again drove the ball but just didn't turn it into seven every single time but it could have been the end of the game on the second and 15 it starts with the at the Rams 35 with about 322 left in the fourth quarter Jones looks like he just makes a predetermined read to turn right and throw the ball to Evan Ingram on a quick stop route, a little bit of a stop slant. And it looks like he reads that the that the the Rams defensive back comes down to take the running back, but then there's another defensive back who clamps right down on Ingram. At best, even if Ingram catches this ball, it's four or five yards. But on the complete other side of the field, you have CJ Board running a crosser into space. Yes, there is a Ram in the middle of the field who's playing zone coverage, looking at Jones, but there's just too much space. There's This ball's going to get caught. There's not going to be much room for Yak, but this ball's going to get caught. It's going to be taken down around the 21-20 yard line. It's a first down. The chains move. Instead, he forces the ball to Ingram. He kind of just snaps the ball looks right at him and throws the ball that's an incomplete pass um ingram at best would have been four and then on the very next play on third and 15 before before the fourth and 11 that they know they're going for at this point right it's 237 left in the game 
This is not a situation where they're kicking a field goal to go 17-12. And Jones just doesn't look to the left side of the field where the Rams are playing two corners on the left side of the field, no safety over the top, and about 10 to 12 yards off coverage. He has Tate here. It would have not been a first down. Tate runs a little button hook. He stops at the 25. Agreed. It's not going to go for a first down. There is a Ram that drops right into coverage around Tate, but Jones has the ball placement and arm talent and ability to throw this ball, complete the pass to the 25, and set up for a fourth and five which would have been doable because again remember Jones has done well on these fourth and short situations where he gets man coverage but he's not going to do well on fourth and 11 against zone you know so instead of looking to that left side the field side of the field um where again he it's I don't see why before the snap if he's looking at this defense Nick I'm curious why he ever would not look there because that's the obvious place to go with the ball there's two routes going on that side and there's so much space with the corners playing 10 yards off the ball and no safety over the top just the middle of the field safety so instead he quickly tumps down checks down to uh Deion Lewis at the backfield he picks up four and sets up a fourth and 11 this was a really key critical time where Jones's processing just to me wasn't fast enough for the second and 15 it was just a design play I guess he made a pre-snap judgment based on the leverage that Evan Ingram had inside on that cornerback who did just make a really nice play breaking down and forcing that incompletion that he was going in that direction there was no reads there other than the pre-snap judgment that he made so he didn't even see the uh, CJ board kind of coming across the middle but on that third and 15 you're absolutely correct he was going through his progression she saw that Ratley and Darius Slayton were eliminated on the right side of the field and he should have knew from his pre-snap judgments and from what he saw pre-snap that he had space to the uh to the field side with the two wide receivers because all there was was the two defenders and they were each about 10 yards off like you said and the linebacker drops but he has a lot of place to cover and i believe that might be micah kaiser who's not the best athlete and jones probably should have saw that on that third and 15 because tate is open he has space on every side he splits the triangle coverage Mm -hmm. of the three rams defenders so i would love to see daniel jones kind of recognize that recognize that coverage pre-snap make that judgment see what tate is doing he didn't even look his way he looked to the field side saw all that was taken up and then just checked down now credit i guess we can give him to checking down instead of holding onto the ball too long but i want him to at least react to what he sees pre-snap and then look in that direction. It doesn't seem like he did it on that third and 15. And something that he also did on a second and seven back in the first quarter with about 542 left. This is a, a play where to the field, they have three receivers and Evan Ingram runs the quick button hook that Jason Garrett loves. And he's open. He's open. He has, he's about four yard separation. He turns on the second and seven out around the sticks. And Daniel Jones doesn't even pull the trigger on it. There's a lot of space there for Evan Ingram, and he doesn't pull the trigger on it, and the pocket ends up collapsing, and to Daniel Jones's credit, he ends up running out of the pocket and picking up eight yards, getting a first down with his legs, but you still want to see that confidence, you still want to see yeah. that timing and that rhythm and that ability to see pre-snap leverage, because again, on this play, Evan Ingram had about 15 yards of space on Taylor yep. Rapp. And he had the plenty of space, and Daniel Jones just did not pull the trigger. And that's definitely something that's an issue. And I also want to say Andrew Thomas on this play was a Ugh. hashtag not good and oh got his inside shoulder blown up, which I've never seen. And we'll get into Andrew Thomas later, but I've never seen a top five tackle be so bad at protecting either side of his shoulder. He, <laughs> he, his, he cannot protect his inside. It's, it's not good, but 
we're going to focus on Daniel Andrew Jones. Andrew Thomas right stuff is tough. The sample size is growing at this point. It's four games. It's a 25% of the season now. So we'll get to that in a second. But as for Jones, again, like you said, on this play, for example, the second and seven, and there's more of these. Um, I want to get into one more before we turn the book on Jones. But on this play, because it's one me and Nick actually kind of disagree a little bit on. Um, but on this play, again, like you said, he uses his legs and his athleticism with, an, with another little juke move on 54 to get the first down. But that's not the point. We don't want that. What we want is his ability to improve greatly he at this point needs to take big big steps as a processor to the point where he doesn't have to rely on his legs here he can get that ball to ingram because he was able to figure it out and again like you said ingram has a lot of space and ingram's forte as an nfl player basically the only thing he does well is after the catch is his ability after the catch so that was an opportunity a rare one where ingram had space after the catch and again just for me it's still a lot of pre-snap determinations by jones and when it's not there it, it seems like he just stares, it stares, it stares, it either takes the sack, he gets sacked for a fumble, or he just forces that ball in and it's either bad down or it's just, you know, short completion at best with no room to run after the catch. There's still too much of that with me for Jones. And again, he's still a young quarterback, so that stuff doesn't bother me as much if it, as long as it can improve. It's just like if by the end of the season it's not improving then that's, you know, almost a 30-game sample size or whatever it may be, 28. Then you start to worry only because, not because he's has all this time to have become this better processor, but because he had these issues at Duke, and he wasn't really asked to do much of it at Duke, in my opinion, at all. Um, it's, it was a lot of, you know, quick read, easy stuff. But again, this goes back to what you were saying earlier, Nick. If they start to work in more of the zone read and RPO stuff, it simplifies things for Jones, and it gets back to some of the, you know, it's not like every passer in the NFL is running full read progressions. You know, some systems really make things easy. The Ravens, for example, with Greg Roman, do things that make it easy for Lamar Jackson to have success as a passer. The Chargers doing a really excellent job of doing things from what I've seen to make things easy for Justin Herbert as a passer. So it's partially on the play caller for sure as well. But let's go over this one play we kind of disagree on because for me, it's a major missed opportunity for the Giants. Again, in a game of just so close, you know, they're at 17-9. They win time of possession. They have way more drives than the Rams in this. Their offense was humming better than the Rams in this game, despite the fact that they didn't score as much. And it's third and four at the Rams, uh, at the Rams nine just before they settle for a 27-yard field goal, 14-20 in the fourth, a chance to really take momentum with a touchdown. Um, and you look at the uh, far the this is the field side or this is the far side the the it's the boundary the side. boundary side sorry Slayton's lined up on the boundary in a one on one without really safety help over the top there's a, there's two safeties are kind of playing middle of the field one's playing down to try to take away the slot which is Golden Tate which kind of looks like where Daniel Jones wants to go with the ball sort of but he looks to the outside Jones instead waits 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 and then finally throws the ball to Slayton but by that point it's too late and the ball's high and out of the end zone. But if you look at the route on all 22, Slayton beats his defender with a really good release and then stacks the defender at about the two or three yard line. By this point, now that he stacked the defender at the two or three and there's no safety over the top, if Jones just puts this ball high with touch, and now again, he's at the two or three yard line, Slayton, where he stacks over the defender, and this is, and he's about two, maybe, maybe one and a half, two yards in from the sideline, Jones has the entire back of the end zone. It's not an easy throw, but it's by far and away a makeable throw. It's a throw that we want good quarterbacks to make, especially when the receiver stacks. And if he puts that ball early, if he puts it right when Slayton stacks or right off the release, because Slayton really does have a super clean release here. If he hits that back foot, throws that ball, he could put that ball. There's so much space to throw it ahead. And to me, it's a touchdown and it changes the whole game. I wouldn't say I disagree with you. I just think it's yeah. a probably a misstep in decision making from jones he didn't realize i guess how clean it was and i do feel 
like it would have been a tough throw. It would have required a lot of touch over the top because, yes, Slayton does win. Yes, Slayton does stack. 31 still has his head turned around and is mm-hmm. still kind of attached to the hip because there's not a lot of space to move again the Giants are on like the 15 yard line so there is no really need to have a safety over top here or anything like that there's not a lot of space so Jones needs to make this throw basically right upon the release of Darius Slayton put high put a lot of touch put it towards that back pylon and Jones I guess what he thinks is that Golden Tate has better Mm -hmm. leverage on his route because Golden Tate separates from his initial defender, but there's a middle hook defender just waiting there for him. So Jones actually glances at him and then says, nah, screw that. He's not going to be able to beat that, which he wouldn't have. And by that point, it's way too late. He fires it way out of the back of the end zone, and it's not really catchable. But I do feel you're 100% right that if Jones fired that ball right at the snap, then that probably would have been a touchdown if the placement and the touch was good enough. Yeah, and I think what you just said kind of goes a little more into detail why it's, I think it's the processing error from Jones. Like you said, the middle hook defender's there. I don't know why he's waiting on that Tate route. If he sees that middle hook defender not dropping towards Slayton, that's when he should know that he has Slayton. Um, and you know, and that's right off the snap, like like you just said. I mean, if he hits that back foot, makes a throw again. It's not an easy throw. We're not talking. Nothing's easy when you're at the nine yard line. It's so hard because obviously the defense is able to to benefit from the fact that you can't throw it too far, and they don't have to you know play the back of the end zones. But it's it's a makeable play, and Slayton Slayton gets such a nice release here, and Slayton does such a good job. It just it's a shame to me that this wasn't a touchdown. Yeah, that, um, that ball would have had to come out right away. Right away that's a decision yeah. that you make. You say, okay, that's I trust my yeah. guy, and I believe he is going to come down with this ball. Yeah. And uh, but with just, that overhang yeah. defender there, I mean, why are you waiting for Tate? It just doesn't. I just don't get it. I don't see what he's waiting for there with Tate. I get I get what you're saying. It's an easier route most of the time. But. And that's also one other thing about this offense, and I guess it's probably another reason. It's a knock on Daniel Jones, but it's also another reason why we haven't seen uh, Jones go through these full field progressions. It doesn't seem like he's really doing that. You know, yeah. it, no, it, it seems like he has his half field read. He makes his pre-snap judgments. And then he looks at that half field and looks at all those routes. It doesn't necessarily use the full field progressions all that much. Yeah. In this and this on this specific play, there's three receivers to the to the field side and the boundary side. There's only the two. So he has those two routes to look at and he doesn't even look to that field side where there's three defenders and then a safety kind of lurking. And uh, that might actually speak to Jones ability to process a little yeah. bit you know because he's not going through his progressions all that quickly it's not something that he did at duke he didn't necessarily he really have do to do Shermer. that much at Shermer either and that's not necessarily not because not, <laughs> not, not every yeah. quarterback does that it's not something that yeah. every quarterback does i mean you don't have that much time back there in the yeah, pocket exactly. especially with this offensive <laughs> line but there are times where we have seen daniel jones lock on to receivers and kind of wait and hope that they cross a zone or wait and hope that they beat their man and mm-hmm. I feel like he does that just a little bit too often, especially given the uh, context of his offensive line and his protection. And listen, you see that, like you said, with a lot of quarterbacks, not all, there's so few quarterbacks who are making these full field reads, um, you know, on a majority basis. But like, for example, Dak does that sometimes. I watch Dak Prescott and he does sometimes, but the difference is 
he can trust CD Lamb to be <laughs> to beat his defender into the zone. CD Lamb is his number three receiver getting the third corner matchup, and he's gonna win almost every time. But CJ the CJ boards and even Golden Tates and Ratleys of the world just aren't always gonna win. So if he's waiting on that, it's just not always gonna happen there for Jones. Yeah, and that interception too on the second and five to basically end the game with yes. fifty seven seconds left. That ball was placed poorly. That was also a bad decision by Jones because he could have easily ran. He's and, running for the first up, at worst. Picked up a good amount of yardage and I and I and I get it look the clock is running you don't want to waste that much time 57 seconds though he can easily he has enough time oh there's easily enough time and the throw was just inside it was poorly placed and Jones literally if he made one guy miss he may have gotten in the end zone I I think that's a little pie in the sky just because there's a safety somewhere I think it would have been like a first and goal around the eight probably around the six seven eight yard line yeah and I and I get it he thought he saw Ratley open on that play (sighs) But it's just a bad throw. Yeah. It, it would have been a tough throw it's anyways throw outside, on especially move. on the move. So. No, not, not from a clean platform. He's throwing on the move. It's he, Those decisions, man, you you got to clean those decisions up because we've seen Jones make a couple decisions like this throughout the year, and they've literally cost the Giants games. Mm-hmm. The Giants could, and that's crazy, but they could be 2-2 two and two right now. What's the other one? This one, I think the they Steelers. should have definitely won. Steelers less so for me because I think they kind of figured out the Giants' defense and just by the end of it, they were toying with them. Yeah, I agree. Bit. They had some opportunities in that game to win if they were just you know obviously if the interception doesn't happen, if that the interception a doesn't lot. happen, it changes. This a lot, one man. though, to me, felt like geez, the Giants were doing so. The Giants were better on offense and defense in this game and lost the game. It's crazy when you lose a game like that, and why? Because they couldn't convert. Score, uh, drives into scoring opportunities twice when they drove they punted from inside the Rams territory and then three other times they kicked the field goal and then the fourth time like you said Jones threw that pick when he could have ran for the first and goal that's what six opportunities there the Rams didn't have that many the Rams the Rams would have lost this game if not for that blown coverage with love and which we'll get to with love and Bradbury that was really just bad looking play for the Giants but they, they forced him into a third down there when Cup hit that 52 yarder I mean the Rams were the Giants defense on third and long was getting off the field this game they were playing awesome on third down this defensive horns which we can get into soon um but I do want to before we go there touch on one more thing on the offense I mean for you is there anyone else uh, someone asked me about this on Twitter I I don't really have much to say about the Giants receivers in this game. I don't know if you do. I just, I, I, I don't have much. I mean, no, neither do there's I. There's not really like you watch the tape. You guys can watch the tape. If you have something, let me know if we're missing it. I, it's just kind of one of those games. I don't have much to say. To there. me, they're they're not creating a lot of separation. I'll say that. Yeah, and that's a knock on them as a whole. Golden Tate. Looked definitely like he was off his game. Looked a little bit slower. His hands were not as sure. He dropped two pretty big passes in this game. Uh, Damian Ratley, I guess you could say, made uh, what one contested catch, and, and that makes you be like, oh, okay. But the, it's an uninspiring group. There's no other way around it with the Giants wide receivers right now without Sterling Shepard, and even with Sterling yeah. Shepard, it's not really too inspiring. Shepard would help people. Oh, he would help. He would help a lot. He yeah. gets these little routes that Jones loves to wait on, like and these these when you're crossing into zones, whatever it may be in the mesh. Shepard, that's his best attribute to get open like that. It's really tough to not have Shepard right now because of how because of what you said. Tate's a little off his game. The Ratley and Boards are just not really NFL caliber players in my mind, and Ingram is just not the greatest route runner. So it's just there's not that much to work with there. And Ingram also started this game. If we're just going to go back to the first draft, started this game terribly. Like again, like come on now. He dropped the opening pass. Then the pass was a little high. He dropped that, and I don't want to knock him for the second play of the game, but something went wrong. There was a miscommunication on the second 
second play of the game, which cannot happen. You have an opening script. You know your opening yes. script going in. I don't know how you have a miscommunication, and I, I don't know who to blame, if it's Evan Ingram, if it's Devonta Freeman, or if it's Daniel Jones. But everybody went to block for a screen on that play, and Daniel Jones or whoever was running the screen did not know that it could have possibly been a quarterback draw but i don't necessarily think so but freeman ended up blocking somebody and evan ingram ended up blocking somebody but that definitely was a huge miscommunication and that just killed the first drive yeah absolutely killed the first drive and also not to just knock evan ingram like crazy but the blocking experiment with evan ingram i'm I'm just i'm kind of done with it dude it's it doesn't work but if it's not gonna work i mean it's not like unfortunately it's not a situation where it's like if if a doesn't you know if one plus one doesn't equal two we are some trying to think of the right example here if the you know if you can't fit the square peg into the round hole i don't know what i'm looking for here but my point is he's not a receiver he doesn't run routes like a receiver so if he can't block i don't really know what he's gonna do i mean i guess he can be a big slot yeah. I, I, but his route running isn't great as a big slot no, so it's not. i don't i don't know what and it sucks, man. It's, it, his effort, and you could tell. Yeah, he has his, effort. His him, yeah. effort is like a hundred and twenty. Doesn't have the frame for it. He just doesn't have the frame, man. Simple. He's getting he's getting beat by guys like Okwawankwo and stuff. Yeah, I mean anyone. Beat so him. was Andrew Thomas. If we're gonna get into uh, that, but like, I mean, I mean, this guy might have progressed really well, like a Lorenzo Carter, and might have a really good season this year. But when you have those kind of edges, especially for Th- in Thomas's case, beating you kind mm. of consistently, there's an issue there. That's a Big problem. Issue. That's not a good thing whatsoever. Yeah, you're right. So let's get into some of that. Before we get into Andrew Thomas, who for me was a lot more bad than good, a lot more bad than good, let's get into Nick Gates because I want to get your take on Gates in this one because I think kind of looking at the overall line, I didn't really have too much on the guards. The guards had some good reps. They had some bad reps. Um, the experiment with Pert we can talk about in a second because you know, you know, we both got a chance to look at it on tape. We had our reaction just from watching the immediate game, but I want to talk Gates because I actually thought Gates had a really good game in this game. I thought there were some big negatives I'll go over first. He's, he's really struggling with snapping the ball, and this hurt Jones too as well. This was a big negative for Jones. The shotgun snaps with Gates were really consistently high, and obviously he's a new, you know, as new as what he's doing. He's a new center, um, but that was a negative. And I thought pass protection was probably still there. Was probably still some examples where he could be better, and he had some negative reps. But in the run game, man, I had some notes on Gates where I really liked what I saw from Gates in the run game. Um, I could go over those plays in a second. I'll look for them. But before that, I'll turn it over to you. What were your thoughts? Is my take? Uh, how, where was your take? I'm sorry. I should say this. Where do you stand on kind of my overall take there, which is probably a little subpar in pass pl- pass pro, but good in the run game like i really like some of the things i saw in the run game the one rep you might be referring to is the rep where aaron donald he doesn't see aaron donald coming on a stunt from like the five technique and aaron donald hits him and gates falls yeah. flat on that the ground was a bad one. it was a really bad one but the rams didn't really line up a lot with like one text or anything like that so a lot of the times when the giants were in pass protection gates was looking for work so he's basically set hike, snaps the ball, and he, there's no one to engage. He's looking for the looper. He's looking mm-hmm. for the stunt. And I thought he did well reacting in a couple of those situations. And there was one play where he actually saved Daniel Jones where someone was looping around and was about to hit Daniel Jones, and Gates picked him up and hit him. So I thought he was solid in that. I wouldn't say he's anything uh, beyond solid. And as a run blocker, yeah, I thought he he was adequate. He, he, he did his job. He wasn't a liability. He was positioning himself well. He didn't seem like he was just getting dominated at the point of attack. He didn't face Aaron Donald as much as I thought right. either. Aaron Donald lined up a lot uh, over like on the, as a three technique, a little bit as a four technique, four eye around those kind of areas, give him uh, just crazy angles to just attack, you know, the 
outside shoulder of guards or the inside shoulder of tackles, which he did sometimes. And uh, he's just incredibly quick. His initial quickness is crazy. But no, I thought Nick Gates played solid. It seems like he's done a lot better in the last three games than he did week one against the Steelers. Yeah, to me, I feel like I'm not as worried there as I was. I want to talk about a two-rep uh, a back-to-back rep from Gates that really actually impressed me. In the in the third quarter, Giants have first and 10 at the LA 25 mid-drive. Um, and I thought Gates started by doing just an excellent job to first hold his block at the point of attack. But then on the very next play, he does a good job working the double team because he gets to the second level to drive back 41. And they end up getting five yards on this play. But this was the play where the illegal shift kind of kills them, put, puts them in a first and 15. Then they have this, the first and 15. They get a nine-yard play again to second and six. But boom, it's a false start. Gets them in second 11. This whole drive that bogged down and ended up in a touch uh this was the play this was the drive that ended with jones uh not reacting quick to throw to slate in the touchdown this could have been a touchdown earlier if that if these two penalties weren't called in the giants again they killed themselves these penalties but i want to specifically go over these back-to-back plays with 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 gates here um the first and 10 uh at the rams 25 and the first and 10 at the rams 15 yeah so on first and 10 the rams actually used a lot of bear and a lot of tight kind of fronts and they usually put greg Gaines number 91 over the top of uh as the zero tech as the nose tech and gates on that first and 10 i mean he does a really good job finishing his block in a very violent manner he he has help with the double team from kevin zeitler but Gaines looks like he's about to go and constrict the a gap and gates just drives him to the ground in a very violent in a very violent type of play which is exactly what you want to see and another thing about gates before we get into the next play i love the fact that he is in people's faces he is not yeah. scared of Aaron donald he sticks up for his teammates he's that just consummate kind of team player and i love that kind of just presence in the locker room it's something i really respect about his competitive toughness and his physical toughness for that matter yeah. especially when he throws blocks like that and then yeah on the illegal formation kind of play it's just another play where he does a good job chipping Greg Gaines and getting him out of the way so that Will Hernandez can kind of seal Gaines away from the running path and then climbing to the second level he does a solid job locating 41 but 41 kind of still stands his ground that's Kenny Young I want to say but I thought overall he just had a solid game and that's more than what we can expect or what, what I was going to expect from Nick Gates coming into the season. I had my reservations about him. I still think he's a below average center in the National Football League, but I think he's coming along and he's definitely shown that, as I said before, in the last couple contests. Yeah, I I, I can see where you're coming from. It's still definitely probably more likely than not below average, need to upgrade, but that rep that you went over first, the first one I pointed out, the first and 10 of 25, where he just bullies 91 to the ground, that you didn't see often, if at all, from Spencer Pulley last year. I don't remember many reps at all watching this All-22. And if that's happening in his fourth game ever as a center, to me, it's at least a good sign because it's not like Pulley who's played it his whole career. Gates is still learning the position. Maybe he's getting better. Maybe we'll see more of these reps as they go forward. So I'm actually not ready to give up on Gates as maybe a potential solution there at center if, you know, it's just, you know, again, this is not going to be an offseason where the Giants can point to two or three positions and be like, we need to fix these. The Giants have eight positions they need to fix. They have positions they need to get depth at, They where they need to take more than one player, like receiver and corner probably, and they have, and, and they have positions where they just have to immediately fill inside linebacker edge you know there's so it's not going to be a season where it's like snap your fingers and we need a center we up definitely upgrade that position so for me i'm intrigued by what i see from gates i really am i thought this was his best game yet yeah i agree and one other thing about uh good old greg Gaines, he's like six feet tall he's a small 
dude. So in order to kind of out leverage him and overpower him like he did, that speaks a lot to the core strength of Nick Gates, which is yeah. something that you want in your center. I mean, he's somebody I still think he's a valuable piece to this roster just because he has versatility. He can play tackle in a pinch. I just do think it's also a position the Giants may look to upgrade if they can. Sure. And I, and I again, I'm with you on that. I think center is such an important position. If they can figure out a way and there's an opportunity, go for it. All right, let's before we turn it over to the defense, because there's a lot of good things to talk about in the defense, I want to talk about Andrew Thomas on this podcast because it was a disastrous game again for Thomas, for me at least. Um, and I'll defer to you because, you know, maybe I'm hopefully not, you know, only seeing the bad here, I guess. I don't know what to say, but it's back-to-back matchups against pretty below average op- opponents. I mean, Deion Jordan, who destroyed him last game with the Niners, it was out of the NFL, basically. The Dolphins completely gave up on him. He was not, uh, you know, he's not a good player and he destroyed Thomas. In this game, I forget who it was. What was his name? 58 was giving him fits. Um, What's his name? The Rams 58. Uh, I can't pronounce his name, but like you said, he's at best developing player. So I just have, you know, between our notes, because we combine them, there's seven, eight plays with Thomas, man, that he just screws up. Um, Like you said, the inside shoulder he gives up. I mean, he just, his footwork is all over the place. He's, uh, do you want to get into specific plays or do you want to talk about this on the macro level? Like, What's the deal with Thomas? Should I be worried about this guy being... I'm not thinking he's flowers bad or anything like that, but like he doesn't look at all like what he should look like at the as the fourth overall pick in my opinion he doesn't look like at all what he looked like at georgia yeah i know he just, what is to, that to me it's a footwork <laughs> issue it's a punch issue it's mm-hmm. a framing of block issue he doesn't seem like he's in position and when he is at a position he doesn't have the i guess instantaneous kind of quickness to overcompensate and this guy has 34 plus inch arms he should easily be able to, hey, I'm getting beat inside, and he should be able to use that lower yeah. body strength to just shove whoever's trying to crash inside into Will Hernandez and just kind of block down the mm-hmm. offensive line. He just doesn't do that. It seems like his arms are just getting just manhandled. Like the, the club, the club move from pass rushers, all they do is they take their forearm and they club whichever arm they want to of Andrew Thomas, and he momentum just goes down. He's off balance. He doesn't seem to have that great core strength that we kind of expected him to have. It it and I'm not throwing the kid away or anything, but it does not look good, ladies and gentlemen. It does not look good. And I and I hate to say that. And I like Andrew Thomas. He seems like a great guy, but he's getting beat by, like you said, Deion Jordan, Ogbangwa Okrawankro, Leonard Floyd. Yeah, the these excuses of, of like he was playing good pass rushers, those are gone now in these last two matchups. And I want to touch on one thing you specifically said in your technical breakdown there. For me, with Thomas, the reason he was my OT4 and why I was the lowest on him by far of these four guys is something you said. He doesn't exactly have the quick the quickness in his pass sets. I thought that his lower body, when I watched him at Georgia, as far as all the other guys looked in pass production, he looked by far and away to have the least long-term upside in pass pro. Now, what you said, though, is true. Given the fact that Gettleman, lo- Gettleman loves, he figured it out with uh, the dude in Taylor Moten and some of the other tackles he's found, Daryl Williams, who was good for a while before the injuries, um, and I think he's been kind of a decent player now as he's moved positions with Buffalo, but is the arm length being the kind of equalizer there? If your feet aren't as, if you don't have the natural quickness and feet athleticism, like a Tristan Wirfs or like a Mackay Becton, or, you know, even like a Wills to some extent, I mean, Wills to me is just kind of more smooth than anything else, but if you don't have that natural quickness and athletic and natural athleticism with your feet and your lower body, at least you have the long arms, like you said, to use your arms to make up for it. 
but we're not seeing that from him. So it's like, if he's not using his arms and he's still really slow footed on a lot of these reps, it looks like a problem that will continue for me. I don't see the solution anytime soon, really. It's also a consistency thing because there are times where he's where he's good, where he's fine. Like there are times where he just gets in front and he's not. I don't want to say a dancing bear, but somewhat of a dancing bear, and he stays in front and he doesn't allow the the pass rusher to beat him up the arc or even went inside but there's way too many examples so far through four games where andrew thomas gets beat by inside counter moves it's like he doesn't know how to defend it it's like his inside shoulder is weak he's just getting ran through he allows the half man to be established and he doesn't position himself to combat it well enough and that's that's an issue with placement that's an issue with footwork and another thing about him is i feel like his feet and his arms they're not working together they're not working in unison which leads to balance issues So his feet will be moving up the arc, and then he realizes, oh, I need to stop my feet from moving up the arc. So then he just punches to try to get the pass rusher to not win inside, and it just does not work. He needs to be more in unison with his footwork and how he utilizes his hands. And his hand technique has not been that great either. No, He hasn't earned control of a lot of, of these pass rushers. He doesn't dominate the rep. He allows the pass rusher to make initial contact and then he'll tong or he'll he'll hug a bit and he'll try to like bully and use his strength to win the rep, but he's not just winning the rep through technique, through good hand usage, through good punch, through staying in front of the pass rusher. And that's a big concern of mine. Yeah, it's a major concern when someone who really needs to win by being technically sound, in my opinion, um, and like you said, with good hand work, good arm, good usage of his arms and hands, because this is not like, and like you said, the balance is an issue, which I'm concerned with, just because that to me is more natural than anything else. I guess technique can be a, a thing there, but again, I don't know. There was a reason I had him as my OT forward was because I just didn't see it. It didn't flash when I watched him. It wasn't naturally there. I didn't see the upside of a fourth overall surefire tackle. And I know he had the stats at Georgia. He had good PFF grades. He did well in tough matchups, like things that you can see, just like DeAndre Baker did. DeAndre Baker was a back-to-back, you know, 90-plus graded corner in the SEC playing great football. But everything's a step quicker. Everything's a step faster everything's a step everything when you get to the nfl even when you face guys like Dion jordan and the guy i can't pronounce on the rams so i don't care to pronounce because if you're not blocking him you're not blocking the games you're, you're almost not blocking anyone to me i mean that guy Dion jordan and that guy can't consistently beat you like they did with thomas in this game um and so if i'm gonna say anybody i'm most concerned with right now besides maybe jason garrett who i'm just not a huge fan of in general it's Thomas, man, and that's a, sh- a true shame for the fourth overall pick in a four-tackle draft where the Giants could have chosen literally any of the four. They had their choice. They used that asset to. They didn't. They they basically looked at that asset and said, "We're gonna. What we're gonna get out of this is that we get to choose our pick of the four. We believe one of the four is by far and away better than the others because otherwise they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have taken him at four. Um, and I know people say you don't know if they could have traded back." I think that they could have found a trade. It might have not been a good trade on the trade value chart, but you know what? If they didn't have a conviction about any of these four tackles, I think they could have found something. Could have picked up an extra three at worst, probably an extra two. Um, and instead, they so took the guy they liked. He had a great his great off field character, all that good stuff. Long arms, gentleman loves the long arms, um, but it's just not there yet. So I don't know. It's not there yet, and that doesn't mean it won't develop, no. and it could just be an adjustment to the speed of the game. It could be a byproduct of not having a training camp, but then you'll look at all the other rookies, and they're playing well. Why are they, doing, well? So Why are well, they yeah. doing well? So that's a really good way to combat that. But 
again it's an adjustment to the speed it seems like he is struggling with the speed he's definitely struggling with the counters and these are things that we talked a lot about mark colombo man we talked a lot about his ability to coach up these young guys now he has that opportunity to do so and hopefully he does it with matt parrot who we got to see like what 13 snaps 14 snaps of and he looked fine yeah let's talk about matt pert because after the game joe judge said he wanted to get his young guys in it's funny because he said that but lemieux played only one snap so i don't know if he was just saying that for you know shits and giggles but he got pert in for a full drive which was interesting because you know pert put together some pretty interesting snaps um he looks like a tat he looks like an nfl player to me that's for sure he really does like the whole idea of him like starting off super like um, what what was what were they saying? He was going to be, you know, he needed to put on a, a lot of muscle and weight in his frame. I didn't feel like there were reps where he was getting completely overpowered. Maybe one that stood out to me, but in general, obviously there's some technical work that needs to be done there with Pert. But I was pretty intrigued by what I saw. Yeah, I thought his uh, pass sets looked pretty smooth. I mean, you could tell that he's very nimble in his feet and he has quick feet. So. He was doing like almost vertical type sets yeah. against really wide rushers, and he was look making it look very easy. Now, I think his handwork definitely needs to improve. There's a lot of uh, there's a couple plays again. He played. If you guys want to see on Game Pass, it was the I think the final drive of the second quarter. He played that drive for the Giants, and you could see the footwork, but you could also see that it doesn't seem like he knows exactly what he's doing with his hands quite yet. doesn't seem like his hands have a lot of pop, which was something that mm-hmm. I criticized him for at UConn. just doesn't seem like there's a lot of oomph to his hands, which is definitely something you want from a right tackle, but he did a good job getting up the arc and not really getting beat, and when he was beat, he did just enough to not allow it to kind of really affect the play, which is something that you has to be said for a young tackle in his first NFL snap so I thought from a uh, footwork standpoint really like it from a hand standpoint needs improvement can improve and hopefully will improve yeah I think you bring up some interesting points I think what stands out to me is like you said like the 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 like the all the things that go into playing the position I think you're probably right he's a little further behind on than somebody who would be drafted in the first round or the first four picks or the first 10 picks whatever it may be but just as far as his natural ability to get into his pass sets and his fluidity and his athleticism his movement it's crazy to say but I feel like he almost looks more fluid to me than Andrew Thomas does um yeah it's a much smaller sample size so you have yeah. to keep that into just from an athleticism mind. standpoint though that lower body the way he moves back in his pants I don't know I don't I'm not as technically sound as you are when it comes to evaluating offensive tackle play offensive line play but I do know what it looks like when these guys are in their sets and like you said there's a lot of reps of of Thomas just off balance um and just not quick enough on the inside move so it is what it is there i don't want to go back we just did a lot on thomas so we don't need to hit that again but pert at least for the very least flash some upside yeah there was a like, one play i believe where he lunged a little bit got mm-hmm. out of position but the guy has gigantically long arms so what did he do he was able to just get enough of the pass rushers inside shoulder and shove him up the pass rushing arc so he couldn't crash and corner on daniel jones yeah, and that's all you need to do sometimes. Yeah, that is absolutely all you need to do. And hopefully Andrew Thomas can learn that, but it hasn't been getting beat around the edge that Andrew Thomas has really struggled with. It's getting beat yeah, inside. Yeah, inside. So, and you know, every defensive coordinator, every it's edge rusher, offense, uh, yep. they, they're 100% aware of they're, the fact they're that... Telling it, these DN, they're telling these rushers, until he proves otherwise, they're telling him you can beat 78 with the inside pass rush move. Mm-hmm. And that's why Deion Jordan found success, and that's why the stupid guy on the Rams is not that productive until he faces Andrew Thomas, found so much success. I mean, if you put it on tape, 
they're going to exploit it. It's simple as that. You said it best. So we'll see what happens there. Andrew Thomas needs to really improve. Anything else on the offense from you, Nick? I think I'm good. We're good on the offense. Okay. We just need to see a lot of these guys step up. Oh, one one thing. Wayne Gallman had a couple really nice Ooh, runs. Yeah. Yeah. I got to give Wayne Gallman the shout. He's just Gallman, been on the man. team. He's one of the he's one of the oldest members of this New York Giants team in terms of tenure with the Giants. Yeah, I'm, I'll end this on I'll end this offensive podcast on a hot take. And again, we're gonna do this week. We're gonna break this up offense and defense. So be on the lookout right after this one. It'll be published right away. Is gonna be a podcast breaking down the defense on all twenty two. But this was just a jam packed episode on offense. So we felt it was better to break it up instead of jamming all this into one. It just definitely flows better. So be on the lookout for that. But I'll end this on a hot take. I love what I saw from Gallman. I've been a Gallman guy my whole life. His big run, the 26-yarder, was awesome. He followed that up with a four-yarder. That should have been a one-yard game, but he falls forward. Here's my hot take. I want the rest of the Giants running back snaps from this point on to go to Gallman and Devontae Freeman. Mix it up. You can put Gallman on third downs. You can put Freeman on on third downs. Both are more than adequate in pass pro. I like Gallman in pass pro, and I know Freeman can do it. Both are more than adequate as receivers in the out of the backfield. Freeman had some really fluid, nice plays as a receiver out of the backfield where he got chunked plays, 11 and 15 yardage. And both are so much better and give you such a better option as a running back than Deion Lewis. I want Lewis to be lowered to zero snaps per game. One, two max if guys need a breather. Probably not. Split it up between Freeman and Gallman. That's your best chance to win. I'm not going to 100% agree with you because I do like Lewis in pass protection. He he had a couple really nice blocks in this. He had two that really come to mind where the one I think he cut a blitzing linebacker through the B gap, and I was like, okay, Deion Lewis. And there was another one where he actually held his ground against a much bigger player. I think it was a linebacker as well coming in. But I, I see what you're saying. Especially, Are we sure Goldman and Freeman can't do that, though? I mean, I'm not, I can't say I'm 100% sure, but I think the Giants hopefully are. <laughs> I mean, Freeman's new to the team. Gallman hasn't been excellent in that area, and Deion Lewis has, hasn't has blown that yet. Because Gallman's pretty good in that area in that Redson game. I don't know if that, I mean, it was a small sample size, and there's mm, probably other yeah. reps that you can point to where it's like, all right, he wasn't that great. But I remember when he had to take over in that, in that first game last year for Jones at home. Um, and I thought he was pretty good in that regard because I just remember comparing it to Barkley, who was really bad for the first <laughs> three games last year in pass, bro. Yeah, I... I'm willing to kind of continue doing what the what the Giants are doing sure. with their running backs right now and kind of evaluate it per week mm-hmm. to see how it goes. But I do agree that I don't want to see Deion Lewis getting a lot of carries. Yeah, but I, the problem is like I agree with that, but then it's I like know, you, I don't know. Wanna, you don't want to exactly. make it obvious that when he's on the field, you're passing. And if everyone wants to laugh, I put this on Twitter, but the first and 10, uh, 12.32 left in the third quarter, I believe. It was the big run by Wayne Gallman, so it might have been the beginning of the fourth quarter. But anyways, watch Levine Toilolo's block. He misses the block, and he falls down. And then he rolls over and does a flip-flop to kind of roll onto the ankle of Kenny Young. And that's just enough to not allow Kenny Young to fill, and that would, would spark the 26-yard yeah. run. That's why we pay Levine Toilolo. <laughs> to roll into defenders and get just enough. But it was a really smart play. It was a smart roll. Play. It was a heady like, roll. I'm screwed. Okay, let me just lay here and get in the way. And he did, he did his job. That's awesome. We're watching it on tape. That's why we're laughing. It's really funny. All right, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in. This is the Big Blue Banter Podcast. This is us breaking down the offense. Stay tuned. 
look out for the next drop because we'll be breaking down the defense. As usual, if you want to do us a favor and support the podcast, we do appreciate all of our loyal listeners. Um, Do us a favor, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Go hit that five-star button. Write in the reason you enjoy the show. Tell your friends, any Giants fans about the show. Spread the news. Start spreading the news, as they say, in New York. Um, And then follow us on Instagram. That's where you want to find our work. Um, Every clip from the pod, our our good buddy Sean breaks down our pod on Instagram and runs our Instagram page. He's the man. Um, So follow us, follow work there. But otherwise, we'll talk to you soon. um, And go Giants. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com